I was in college when I first learned that there were comic book shops in Ireland. There I was told there's a comic book shop in Dublin, you should go up to it. I was like, are you for real? They sell this stuff. I, I used to get them, like I used to I used to send away for like to try and get comics from Marvel. I was trying to figure out how to do it. There was no way of finding it out. The only way you could find out this stuff was maybe look in the yellow pages or something <laughs> like that, you know? That's the small talk. Now let's go down to business. Now, your programme. What's the big idea? Well, they're going to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Today, Will Sliney is one of the most respected comic book artists in the world. But working for Marvel and Star Wars franchises is only a fraction of his story, really. Raised in Ballycotton County, Cork, he had no idea that this life that he's made for himself telling stories through his drawings was even an option. And once he properly found comics while studying at CIT, he fell in love hard and the rest is history from the avengers to the clone wars spider-man to farscape his very own ku cullen creation and beyond will sliney has scaled the highest heights in his business and now he's starting a new chapter with sky tv launching his very own draw with will series on now tv you should really check that out if you can if you fancy hearing the full conversation we have here uncut and ad-free, including the story of Will's very first visit to Comic-Con with the portfolio right under his arm and some truly funny tales of finding his way in his business. Join us on Patreon this week. You really won't find a better deal over there. Access to hundreds of episodes, videos, exclusive series and weekly episodes you can't get anywhere else from Irishman Abroad. It's also how I keep the lights on. So if you like what you're listening to, that's the best way to support it on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. Next week on the show, we will have more Sonia Sullivan, more Marion McKeown, more Irish bookstores, and of course, Foil Arms and Hog will join me for my very first three-man episode with the Irish sketch comedy legends. Make sure you're subscribed to get that automatically to your phone or tablet. Will Sliney, it's a real pleasure to have you on Irishman Abroad, especially at this really exciting time when this <laughs> you're the man for Sky TV and Now TV. If people haven't seen Will's face and many of you may not have seen his face for so long, you were, you know, behind your desk working away and the name and the logo Will Sliney was all we knew. How does it feel? Is it weird now to be that fella who is essentially, and I'll use the words very carefully, the Don Conroy for the next generation. 
I mean, if anyone, like, well, first of all, Don Conroy also happens to be the nicest man on the planet. So <laughs> any kind of comparison with him is amazing. I've got to meet him a few times and he's just, oh my God, he's so lovely. He, he really, really is. So look, it's, it's very, very surreal. It's very surreal for a couple of reasons. Like, I feel like for working in comics, I'm the original lockdown person. I've been stuck at home for the last 12 years, hitting deadlines for mm. Marvel, not allowed to go out and socialize because it was literally like nonstop Spider-Man Star Wars for 10 years with these intense deadlines and working at home. And of course, every once in a while, I'd get to pop my head out and we'd get great reactions whenever I was doing like comic conventions and stuff like that as well. But yeah, very, sur very surreal for another reason in that it was all kind of done over Zoom, yeah. uh, which so it never felt real. <laughs> so the whole thing was organized that way. It was like the, it was greenlit that way. I would imagine if it was normal times, I would have been over in London and brought into Sky. It would have been like, oh, hello, Mr. Slidey, you're our new star of our show. Let's give you a tour. Whereas with this, it was like, finish the zoom and like guess i had an extra cup of tea to celebrate <laughs> <laughs> yeah and in, so in a way it dodged real. a bullet because a lot of those meetings for meetings sake you've got to meet the team you've got to meet these people yeah you yeah, know I, yeah. I do miss interacting with people in that way but i think that like you say across my mind that your lockdown uh, a bit like Owen Colfer when he was on was like you were ready made for this. You were you had everything in mm. place, but that must have given you a sense of responsibility as well, that you knew that all these kids were now having to experience it uh, against their will. When did the idea first come to you that like, well, what can I do to help those mm. parents and those kids? Yeah, that you're, you've hit the nail on the head. My wife is a teacher and it was just so surreal the day she was sent home and it was like, I'm not going back in tomorrow and either are the kids, you know, right at that. It, it seems so long ago and so strange ago that it seems so strange that like we just had this complete alien notion that like the world was about to pause and all of us didn't know what was going to happen. No one knew what was going to happen with their jobs, what was going to happen with, you know, life in general. And it was a I remember just sitting on the couch and I was like, you know what, now it's it worked well anytime I've asked people to do a little drawing or something before. So I'll do a daily challenge for what I thought would be for a few days for like maybe like a few hundred people. And I just literally put up, OK, have all the kids, you're all stuck at home tomorrow. Why don't you all draw? Here's my drawing of Spider-Man. Why don't you show me what you can do? And we just got thousands of drawings in on the first day. The second day was Star Wars and it, it multiplied again and it just went bonkers <laughs> the joe wicks um, of drawing <laughs> well that was it we he he was teaching people how to be fit i was teaching people how to sit down at a desk and draw <laughs> so it, I, I would personally be better off if i was doing the fitness one i know rather than stuck on a chair all the time <laughs> well, it, it, um yeah, it was just mad. I couldn't keep up with it. Like I, I was trying to respond to everyone, you know, saying the art was amazing and stuff. And it was just completely overwhelming. But people found out very, very, people had forgotten that kids want to draw. Mm -hmm. um, and all of a sudden it was back and it came back in a big way. Yeah, like uh, it was the ideal activity in so many ways, because, you know, the temptation to go out and mix with other kids on the street or in around the estate or wherever it is you, you live was mm. massive but in so many ways the drawing for me anyway growing up drawing was my thing i completely okay. know the the kind of rabbit hole that it is mm. that suddenly you're you're discovering things about yourself and your talent and your ability and also the impact 
of practice. I mean, the, <laughs> yeah. it was the first place I, I learned that, oh, I can make incremental improvements mm. on a daily basis. Whereas my frog looked crap yesterday. <laughs> the experience of doing that crap frog <laughs> has led to me being able to do this one today. Do, yeah. When did you first have that kind of feeling that, oh, mm -hmm. I'm getting better with each scribble that I do? I actually can remember it specifically. <laughs> it was, I was drawing Michelangelo, which leads into the, the show again or whatever. I used to love turtles and I was drawing turtles in, um, it must have been first or second class. And people would come up to me asking me for a drawing of, of Michelangelo or Leonardo, whatever it was. And the next thing, some other kid who obviously had done loads of practicing walked in with his drug of Michelangelo, which was better than mine. So quickly the whole room ran over to him. <laughs> <laughs> so I went home like, this, this has worked for me. This tactic has been used on me by other artists and like my college lecture and everything is just to, if you want to get me to practice and improve, it's to give me sort of a challenge like that. So I just went home and I practiced drawing it loads and loads and loads with the sole idea of crushing this other kid's. <laughs> 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 to retake that position as like the official turtles drawer of Ballycotton National School. <laughs> and it was that it was just practicing it. It was drawing it over and over and over again. And it's never kind of stopped for me that way since. Like, obviously, like everyone, I've, I've dipped in and dipped out in it as I kind of grew up and got older. But I, I've loved that element. And it's exactly what you say. And there's nothing that I like more than seeing a kid show me their drawings. Mm. And then I might see them at a convention a year later. And it's like, oh, wow they've put in the work. Yeah. If they haven't magically gotten better at drawing, they've spent days and days and days and days in their spare time. Instead of watching TV, they're drawing what they're watching on TV. Mm. Instead of like just playing games, they're drawing the game that they're playing. Instead of playing football, they're drawing their favorite football players, you know, and I'm sure that their fridges and everything are covered with all of those drawings. So yeah, it, it is a, in that way, it's, it's a one of a kind in so many ways because the, I think so. The, yeah, the improvement in your football skills, for example, are much more gradual. Whereas I yeah. just, I, I, I just, it blows my mind to see my own son pick up the pencil each day and kind mm. of flick back through his book from the week before and watch the change take place just through the commitment mm. and all of those skills that kind of are the bedrock of whatever he goes on to do. Now, he hasn't stated what he'd like to do. And I feel like a lot of kids are completely oversubscribed with possibilities now. <laughs> Whereas yeah. I'm sure in Ballycotton, <laughs> just like the Curra, I was blind as to what being good at drawing could do or where it could lead when was the first time you got a sense that you could do anything with this, that you could be more than just somebody who's good at drawing? Yeah, very good question. And it, that's very, that was very, very true for me as well. Like all the ways through, I thought I was going to be an engineer. I was good at maths. So I used to love what I thought was like designing Formula One cars. And I went to all of like the open days in secondary school to like the, the different types of engineering courses where like, oh, this is the aerodynamics of the car and this is all this kind of stuff. And I was looking at all of the books and like how, what, like how you could lead to possibly like a career in Formula One, designing really? Formula One cars. Yeah, I like loved all that stuff. And the more and more I was sitting down 
designing I used to have my own Formula One team that I used to design it was sponsored by Guinness and I'd like have the like the colouring of Guinness I don't know why just it was all this random stuff on the car this is really back in the time now of mm. um, the Jordan Formula One team when they used to they, they brought art to their cars which was a marketing ploy which is brilliant but, but it kind of started to dawn on me that like wait I don't know if I'm actually interested in designing the car I think what I really enjoy here is drawing the car <laughs> and that's what I'm getting at, at the most out of it and I actually was pushed by my parents to go to a career guidance uh, lady who she basically had me fill out a questionnaire and when she got the results she's like you are absolutely screaming creativity whatever you do you have to go down that road or you'll go absolutely mad wow. and it was right at that time a multimedia course came up in Cork and CIT which is quite general it was it was there was drawing with there was like movie making there was website design programming like game design 3d animation all this kind of stuff so literally because of that questionnaire the the old CAO form that I filled in was ripped up and the new one changed with his creative stuff at the top as much as I could what a fork in the road oh my god mm. what was the name of this lady I don't know. It's a long time ago. <laughs> I can remember the colour of the questionnaire sheet. I do. Like all the ways along, I loved art. Like I like I have I've had so many lucky things. Like there was no art in my school, but one of the, the then HDIP teachers, Miss Barrett, put on art at lunchtimes because I really wanted to do it, you know. So like all all the lads would be go up playing football and there was me stuck inside in the room at lunchtime and they would all knock on the window laughing and joking <laughs> <laughs> because I was inside studying my Michelangelo or whatever it was um, but I hilarious. just had to have that outlet some sort of a way I just like yourself I never knew you could do it as a job mm. I never knew there was a career in it I understood that there's like movies and game designs and stuff but that all seemed like a foreign land and it's the one thing that I've always said that whatever I if I ever get any press or anything like that the most important thing for me is that kids know that there is a job doing it and I think that's also the thing that I bring a little bit different to the art presenters that have gone in the past, like we've had, obviously there's some amazing ones. There's Bob Ross, who's a brilliant, mm -hmm. he was a brilliant painter. There was Tony Hart, who was a, a teacher, an art teacher, and Don Conrad kind of came to it almost as a, an animal rights and nature person and everything. He brought that element to drawing. Whereas I think what I bring is someone who's like worked in the professional like it's all the big names that kids love, like Sp whether it's Spider-Man or Star Wars and stuff, that hopefully they'll see that if they practice it, then they genuinely can do this job and no more now than ever, you can do it from wherever in the world you want to be. So. Yeah, man, it, it's such a vast field of stuff that's available to you once you are a, a great drawer let's just start mm. there right once you can once you can show skill and talent at committing to and practicing and improving your drawing it, it kind of blows my mind a bit now when i look around at all the things surrounding me in the room right now that mm. required people that could draw and <laughs> yet i certainly felt that people were at a loss as to what to do with me as somebody mm. that could draw they were like that's that's brilliant. Maybe you can be in charge of the graduation poster. And, but when you think about it, if were I to have shown a similar level or you to have shown a similar level of talent with mathematics or mm. languages, 
the paths that and the you know the options that would have been presented to you would have been so vast and varied it would have been like a headline news nearly that we have a bit of a a maths prodigy in the school the fella got 100 points in maths in the leaving cert is there anything that can be done around that in schools do you think uh that's a great question um wow uh i i think that it is as much of a kind of uh you know I think I think it would have applied to a lot of stuff, especially in Ireland. In that, you know, we've obviously we're obviously going away from doctor, nurse, engineer, mm. priest, <laughs> yeah. the jobs that are out Job there. Job Guinness, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And like so, as the normal jobs have crept in, I think the next generation of that now are the creative jobs. Mm. And what's nice about it now is that whereas I had to like discover this stuff on random web forums uh, like these internet forums like oh wow there are people that like to draw somewhere in America you know you ca- you can't avoid it now with social media in a good way like you mm. like if you go onto Pinterest and if you find a piece of art that you like it links to loads of different pieces of art that you like and then like let's say you're a teenager like looking at all these like amazing drawings of superheroes and stuff like that and then the real click happens when you realize oh wait i see i've seen this kind of drawing before i think i recognize that artist and then they find out the names behind them and very quickly they find that these people are now accessible whereas when i was growing up they wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been able to literally send them a tweet or a message on Instagram or whatever and go, oh, how did you do that? Or I'd like to draw comics. What can I do? And this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so it's it's much more, when we grew up, we learned from the people around us. We learned from the people in our community. And that that was the the range of jobs that we could see. And it was quite a struggle to be able to jump, to jump away from that. You just had to just literally, it almost felt like you had to like go off in this massive expedition to the top of Mount Everest. You know what I mean? You had oh, to just 100%. pack your bags. And the yeah. way you're describing it it, it, it like it it does feel like that <laughs> it was that it was like christian bale in batman <laughs> that you head, <laughs> head off and find some weird flower up a mountain and yeah, then find a yeah. cult of people that were also into drawing <laughs> in the same way you were yeah and, like people will be listening to this younger people will listen to this and be like nah come on no really this is mm. how far-flung the notion of this was. Now, I found I, myself at Ballyfermot, yeah, where uh, this burgeoning animation uh, school was created. And uh, like I did a summer course there. Uh, why didn't you go there is my question to you. Like, what was it about that it, that surely that crossed ex- your radar? No, this is exactly what it was like then. I never even heard of that school no. until I was in college. Yeah. Oh my God. Did not know it existed. Didn't even know when I, it, I was in college when I her, first learned that there was, there were comic book shops in Ireland. <laughs> oh there I was told God. there's a comic book shop in Dublin. You should go up to it. I was like, are you for real? They sell this stuff. I, I used to get them. Like I used to, I used to send away for like to try and get comics from Marvel. I was trying to figure out how to do it. But there was no way of finding it out. The only way you could find out this stuff was maybe look in the yellow pages or something <laughs> like that, you know. So I never, I never once heard of Ballyfermot, which is absolutely bonkers to, to, to think about that now. And it, it's kind of come up like it just Ballyfermot and places like that obviously kind of crept into my 
into my understanding over the years and I know loads of the people that have that have went there now they're my friends and everything like that and Ballyfermot would of course have been amazing for me mm. I just didn't didn't know it existed wow. I didn't know it existed I, I and it got, kind of goes back to that engineering thing I remember like getting all of these like you'd get kind of brochures from colleges I don't even know how we used to get them <laughs> they were like Argos <laughs> catalogs of colleges yes, I know the oaks yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, and looking through, oh, that course looks kind of cool. That's in uh, Liverpool. Maybe I could go over there and learn a bit about engineering. You know, that's different. That, that That's what it was. We'd get these books from Open Days and stuff, and I guess I never got the Ballyferma oh book. God. We sound it's 100 mad. years old. Yeah. Like, we really do. Like, it does sound like I used to strap the turf to my feet and walk to school. <laughs> but uh, in the democratisation and the freedom of movement of information that we now mm are surrounded by it, it, it's been such a quick change like there's yeah. I'm looking at a shelf full of comics here for my son mm. and he's not even that into them right like he's mm. into drawing massive way he's just so aware though mm. like as this will tell you how how big it is just for the casual listener here who just doesn't know about this world of comic books my son isn't even that into comics but he knows the lore behind yeah so many stories and has read so many graphic novels without even calling himself a monster comic book guy. It's just as as normal, I guess, as tennis was when we were kids. Sure, there was a part of the year where we all played tennis, Wimbledon. (laughs) Yeah. There's a part of the year (laughs) when everyone's reading comics and it's usually when a a big Marvel movie Mm. comes out. When you are a, a youngster, you are winning pencil sharpeners. I understand for your for your for the first artistic prize you won was a pencil sharpener. Uh, yeah. For what was that for? And surely that was a moment for you when you were like, "I've got something here." Uh, I in the same way as I tapped into that thing of I can be the king, I can be the top of the league. Uh, I want to sustain this position. Yeah, I do. I was very young when that happened. I remember the place. It was over in Shanagari, the nearby village. There was a couple of little things like that. Then we had a kind of a funny thing where, uh, if you remember Derek Davis from Live at Three. I do indeed. The RT so player. He, yeah. <laughs> oh, is, that on, is it on the player now? Is no, it? I call him the RT player. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, funnily enough, was rescued by Ballycotton Lifeboat uh, many, many years ago. So he's come back every summer and he'd put on an art competition. No so I'd regularly win Derek Davis's art competition. And he'd <laughs> get a fiver or whatever it was. So that was kind of the start of all that as well. Where like, I, I guess like I just I don't know. I suppose I always had a little bit more of when you have more of an interest, you draw more. So I was just mm. drawing more than everyone else. I was still into football. I was still into everything else. Uh, but I just did it more than everyone without knowing there was a job. I, I only want like I can only imagine what level I could have got to because it is like it, it took me until I was 30 before I got picked up by Marvel, whatever it was. But I had, I had to put in like so many hours per day of drawing to get to that level. I wonder what it would have been like if I knew about those possibilities when I was younger. And instead yeah. of like being down at my grandmother's and my grandmother going, sure, put away those pencils and never do anything for you. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, like, it might have been encouraged. Like, like it's almost like 
like back in the Renaissance days, like if I showed a bit of talent in art, I'd be like, oh, send him off to Michelangelo. He'll study under him for five years and great, he's done and he's going to be this big part of, um, it was obviously, it obviously was huge back then. Or it's even, there's a bit of that going on in other countries around the world, which certainly isn't the way here, just because we're not, we're not built for that here at the moment. That might change. But just like you said, it just was the, the most it ever could have been when you were younger was a hobby, I suppose. Well, like, and that's why I bring up the the pencil sharpener and and just mm. how, because it still kind of blows my mind how blind you were to what is now your life. The stories that I've managed to unearth of your journey include you getting on the plane with the portfolio when you'd reached the point where you had a portfolio and taking it out there to show people. Now, this is something that I, I think anyone can relate to. It's the moment in your career, or your life where you think this is the question I should be asking and then kind of coming to the realization. Actually, I was asking the wrong question completely. I have to think in an entirely different way. Can you tell us a little bit about that? process and that period because I'd imagine you just had an idea in your head that this is how it's going to work and that got exploded in front of your face yeah it, it would have been so over the course in that four years of multimedia one of the great things about it was is that you got to kind of try everything so I knew I wanted to do something creative I didn't understand there was a job out there drawing comics when I started that course um, a few kind of things happened along over those four years. Like I very quickly realized I liked the illustration side of things. I didn't like the programming side of things. I, I web design is all right. I enjoyed it, but I loved drawing. Uh, I even remember my illustration lecturer and my photography lecturer having a conversation with each other going, how can, <laughs> how can he be top of the class in illustration and bottom of the class in photography? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> It just didn't have the interest in doing it. Like, I can't paint. I don't know how to pick up a paintbrush. I'm just so hyper-focused on the type of drawing that I do, you know? Uh, and I just, I, like, as as the course went on, and fair play to that course for allowing, allowing this to happen, I would manipulate every project that I had to be about comics. So by the time I was in third and fourth year, when we would have a business class, my business would be, oh, this is, I'm going to set up a comic book shop or I'm going to set up a comic book company or when I had to do a movie it would have all of these comic book illustration panels popping up which I, I ironically it, all that stuff is coming back in now with the new TV stuff I never, I never thought it would but like I was just I was just using everything as an excuse to allow myself to draw more and they really facilitated that and I think that they saw that you know before the long before I was finishing up that like this guy has like narrowed his focus and he's going and he's gone and I remember talking to the lectures inside there with my plan and it was exactly that it was finish the course learn as much as I can build up a portfolio take out a loan and go to wherever people will look at it and see how it goes and I do can remember I, can I stop you there Will because yeah. before we get on the plane with it and the, the, the portfolio <laughs> We've probably skipped a moment there in you have at that point fallen in love with comics yeah, and fallen hard <laughs> by the sounds <laughs> of things. Um, is that a light bulb? Is that a you picked up Ultimate Spider-Man and suddenly mm. it was like love at first sight? Like talk us through what must have been 
you know, like like love is the word because the yeah, it has to be. Your head yeah. spins. You get a, a good feeling <laughs> in your stomach. <laughs> yeah. So to to explain how my access to comic books will kind of explain a bit a bit about this and how the exposure changed. So in your regular high street stores here, like your Easton's or whatever, you'll get what are called the reprints. So Panini here in Ireland and the UK will reprint the American comics into these like collected kind of versions that come out once a month. So mm-hmm. if you go into Easton's, you might see this monthly kind of title of Spider-Man or X-Men. And they can be, when you open that, it can be this random mishmash of stories. You mm-hmm. don't know what you're kind of going to get. It's like a kind of a lucky dip bag. Uh, and it's the same. There's Italian versions in Italy. There's French versions in France, wherever it is. So that was the access that I had. But there was no kind of continuity to it. It was just like whenever you see, you pick it up. And I do remember, and this all adds to it all, I remember like in secondary school, like we, we would walk, we would call it downtown, walk down into the town at lunchtime. And I, the lads would go off to get a bag of chips and I'd sneak into the, the newsagent, buy Spider-Man, put it in a brown paper bag and hide it in my coat for fear of being beaten up for buying Spider-Man <laughs> at 17 years of age. <laughs> oh so, which is hilarious because it's, it's like I wear it with a badge of pride now at this stage. Uh, and all of the lads, all, they all know about it now. But I used to hide that stuff because I was embarrassed by it. Um, really? At that age, it, it wasn't cool to be a nerd back then. I'm, I'm so jealous of kids growing up right now that it's just such a part of the popular culture. So so it was like this forbidden pleasure in secondary school. Yeah, I, like, like I honestly, Will, like it is, like again, this is going to make people rage. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to blow people's minds. But I do know what you're talking about. Like if I had, yeah. if I had showed up in school reading a Superman it oh would have been the gosh. equivalent of me reading a Teletubbies magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. just the realm of children. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's literally what it is. And you just would have been like, your friends would have beat you up. <laughs> they would have been like, you, you know, this has to happen now, Will. I'm sorry. And you'd be like, yep, fair enough. You know, just throw me a few digs there, lads. <laughs> <laughs> you made your bed, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Oh my So gosh. you're hiding yeah. it. You're hiding the brown paper bag. Yeah. With your, with your hidden shame of Spider-Man. Yeah. And like, is it like just going through those kind of mix and gather and bags that you are just going holy moly? Uh, well, I can I, see, see I- me doing this. No, because I never knew you could do it. I okay. never knew you could do it at that age. So it was just the stuff that I loved. I would still draw it all of the time. I just never pieced together mm. that there is a real person drawing this, you know. Mm. I guess then, so the next step on that would have been I would have went to college and it became a coming out of all of my comic book loves. <laughs> I would meet similar minded people. You know what I mean? So yeah. like the fr- I, like the, the lads that I moved into, I moved in, into a house with a random bunch that I never met before. One of them was watching Stargate on TV the first day. And I was like, oh, cool. I can talk about nerdy stuff with this person, you know. And then, you know, more and more you'd start to. But like, it's also kind of it's a part of growing up. And I think this happens when you're younger now these days. But it's you're you become you embrace you're, you're less 
performing for everyone else as part of like, you know, making sure everything is normal and everyone gets along and everyone's all kind of like, oh, let's just talk about football as much as football. But you know what I mean? And you, you get to be more yourself. And I think that there's a big part of growing up. And I think college doesn't did an awful lot of that for me. And even still, like in in first year, I remember like finding those ultimate Spider-Man comics. And I certainly wasn't broadcasting it to the class. But I, I remember then by second year, like it happens very fast. Then one of the the guys in the class walked in with so so what was ab- so I I started to learn about comics I started to learn that these random lucky dip bag reprints in here in Ireland these were all coming from America mm. with which what were called your monthly comic books these consistent storylines Spider Man is on issue five or six hundred right at that time like the one that you were saying ultimate spider-man had just started so there was a kind of a way to get into the ground floor of this new story of spider-man this character i'd always loved and literally as that was happening this guy in my class walked into the classroom with an american comic book which i knew what it was from the size and the shape of it and i was just like where did you get that and he's like oh this uh, this new comic book shop is after opening up inside in cork city and I just literally stood up, walked out of the class, <laughs> got on the bus, <laughs> went in. And it was like a kid walking into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It was wall to wall comic books everywhere. And that was it. Uh, and I was inside there all of the time. And just you're like, it's a great experience walking in there anyway, because you're just surrounded by color and art and statues and toys. All of this stuff that, you know, would have never been accessible to me was all of a sudden right, like, literally a 10 minute walk from where I was staying inside in, co- in, in college. I, I uh, absolutely love that you got up from your chair, <laughs> left your coat and bag. <laughs> <laughs> the chair was still spinning. Yeah. <laughs> Big shout out to Will. That is just a taste of our conversation. There's lots more, a further 40 minutes of this chat to be found over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. My chosen charity partner that I big up every single week is Jigsaw.e, an amazing Irish youth mental health charity that I'd really love you to support. I'm running 2,000 kilometres this year for them with the help of Sonia O'Sullivan on the Irishman running abroad. Whatever your level of running, you want to check that out and come uh, and listen to it on a Tuesday where Sonia guides me and the listeners through what it takes to turn even a couch potato like myself into a runner if i can do it you can do it too big shouts to will for taking the time to do this episode so much fun and so much more for you to enjoy as i said in the extended xl version over on patreon.com forward slash irishman abroad john Marr does the extra research brian Connolly is on sound tina and mikey make it all possible thank you all for listening uh give it a subscription to make sure that you get the full arms and hog episode next week and if you have the time give us an l review on whatever podcast platform you listen to all the best lads take care of yourselves see you next week